Hallelujah. Praise God. Hi, my name is Clayton Holloway, and uh, Pastor Jamie and Sandra has given me the opportunity to present the word to you today. I'm one of the Connect Group uh, directors. My wife is the other, and I'm also one of the trustees. And today we're going to be talking about excellence. So we're in our values series, and the one that I've chosen of our values is excellence. So let's pray for a moment. Father, I just pray for your anointing and your power to touch your people, for you to minister to your people, Lord God, for you to bring us up to a higher level in your word and in in your purpose and in your plan for our lives. Lord, help us to walk in excellence. So excellence is defined as a quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Excellent is going beyond. It's possessing that outstanding quality. It's going further than we need to go. It's it's excelling in some area. Um, One of the areas that I really like about our church uh, that we walk in excellence in is how we treat people, um, especially new people. As Pastor Jamie says often, um, we don't have visitors here, we have guests. Guests are people that um, we prepare for and we expect to come. And so let's give our guests a hand while we're doing that. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of our church. Uh, I want you to know that our teams uh, got up early, hours early, and they came in and they prayed and they prepared our building for you to be here. We, we prayed uh, for the joy of the Lord so that you see smiles on our faces. Um, uh, we also knew that you were going to need that just relaxing moment, so we had coffee made for you. And, uh, and this is an area that I really believe our church excels at is uh, touching um, people in the area of excellence and making them feel comfortable. Today, I'm going to talk to you about uh, a guy that God said had an excellent spirit. So let's jump in the word. Daniel chapter three, chapter six, verse three, it says, then Daniel distinguished himself above all of the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. So today I want to give you just three reasons why God said that Daniel possessed an excellent spirit so that we can um, step to that level, so that we can uh, step out and move up and have that excellent spirit also. Um, So number one, Daniel possessed an excellent spirit because of the choices that he made. In Daniel chapter one, verse three through five, it says, then the king instructed Aspenaz, the masters of the eunuch, to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick understanding, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. And then verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, 
he might not defile himself. So Daniel was a Jew and to um, eat these delicacies and to drink this wine would have been sinful for them because this is stuff that had been offered to idols. And God had told the children of Israel, don't partake of, of those people, those ungodly people's uh, food and drink. Don't become like them. And, you know, this is a, a difficult situation that, that Daniel's in because, you know, the king has chosen him and he's put him uh, in one of these, these privileged areas. But Daniel made the decision, I'm not going to uh, forsake my God and do these things that I shouldn't be doing. He made a choice. And sometimes, you know, the, the choices that we make define who we are or who we will be. And we have to make some of these difficult choices. And Daniel did that. So we face these daily choices uh, of whether we're going to walk in excellence, whether we're going to follow God, or are we going to choose the ways that are contrary to God? And, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for us to do all kinds of things that, you know, nobody knows about. We can take, you know, all of these privileges, privileges that are offered to us, and we can walk into some areas that we know do not glorify God. But just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. Just because you got that opportunity don't mean that you want to take that opportunity. So Daniel chose the ways of God. Number two, Daniel possessed an excellent spirit because he was filled with the spirit of God. In Daniel chapter four, verse eight and nine, it says, but, but at last Daniel came before me. This, his name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told him my dream saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the musicians, because I know that the spirit of the living God is in you. When God's presence is in us, as Chris preached last week, we got to get the presence of God. We've got to take that time and let God get in our lives. It not only begins to affect us, we become filled with the spirit of God, but it affects those around us. People begin to see, hey, God, something's different about him. There's something in his life that I want. There's something special about him. God's presence is upon him. And that's what Daniel did. Daniel was flowing in the excellence of God because he was filled with the spirit of God, because he had taken time to get in the presence of God and to let God move in his life. So Daniel um, walked in the spirit of God and those around him saw the spirit of God. And then this is the, the, the third one. Daniel possessed an excellent spirit because of his faith in God. Daniel chapter one, verse 12 through 15 says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than young men who had been eating the food assigned to them by the king. So here's the situation. So 
You know, Daniel has made this choice. I can't eat this, the, the king's food. But this eunuch said, hold up, I'm not getting in trouble because of your choices. And that's how people feel. Hey, you're, you're taking me down a road. I'm not going down with you. You know, hey, I'm not getting in trouble with the king. You know, he cuts heads off. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting in trouble with the king because you want to serve God. And that's the way we feel sometimes that the people around us are saying, hey, that's you and your God. That ain't my thing. You know, I'm not walking in that. And so that's what this eunuch said. But Daniel stepped out in faith. He said, okay, okay, I don't want to get you in trouble. Let's do this. For 10 days, you just give us these vegetables and water. Don't give us all this ungodly stuff. Give us these vegetables and waters. And let's see what my God does. Let's see if God will take care of me. And that's what we've got to do. We have got to step out in faith. We have got to believe that our God will take care of us in these terrible times. We've got to believe that God will be with us. We've got to believe that COVID's not going to take over our world. That God's in control and that we can believe in him. And even though there are others saying, no, you know, COVID, he's going to get you. It's out for you. It's going to get you. You've got to step out in faith and believe God. So that's what Daniel did. And what happened was Daniel, he, he stepped out in faith. He ate these vegetables. And then after 10 days, the eunuch said, oh, wow, you look better than the people that are eating all this good, strong food. The Bible says that they look stronger. They look more nourished. They were in a better place because they were eating the foods and choosing the purposes of God because they were doing the things of God and not doing the things that, you know, the world was doing, that they had made their choice. And it takes faith to do that. It doesn't take a lot of faith. It takes a little bit of faith, but it takes faith. It takes faith to step out and do that. And then because Daniel did that, Daniel received health. He received healing. He received strength in his body. But it didn't stop there. It also affected those around him. See, this eunuch and all those that saw Daniel knew, hey, God's moving in his life. And that's really what God wants to do. He wants to meet your need but he wants to give you a testimony so that other needs are met around you, so that those that know you and feel you are affected by that. Faith is simply believing that God will do what he said he would do. The word says, my God will supply all my needs. Believe the word. I am the God that heals you. Believe the word. I will never leave you or forsake you. Believe the word of God. I remember the first time that I ever stepped out in faith. I was in college and I was part of a Christian group. At the end of the semester, a few of us was discussing what we were going to do in the next semester. And um, we were going to go on a co-op assignment. A co-op assignment is like a summer internship where you go work for a company for a period of time. And I remember there was this one girl, she had just received Jesus that semester, and she mentioned that she was going to Washington, D.C., and I was going to New Jersey to work for the summer. About halfway through my co-op assignment, I'm working in New Jersey, things are going well, and, and um, I got a terrible toothache. I mean, it felt like my whole head was throbbing from the pain from this toothache. So I've got this terrible toothache. 
And, and I'm really, you know, trying to deal with this. I don't know what to do. I mean, I, got, I found a dentist and I asked him, just pull the tooth out. I don't care what it takes, just pull it out. I don't even need any painkiller. I mean, that was how bad it was. I'm like, get the tooth out, take the thing out. So the dentist said, well, let me take an x-ray first to find out, you know, what may be causing this pain. So he took the x-ray, and the x-ray showed that I had a wisdom tooth coming in. A wisdom tooth was coming in like this to my other teeth at an angle. And I mean, it was causing a terrible pain. And then he dropped the really bad news. This is a Friday afternoon before the weekend. He says, um, I'm sorry, but I can't do anything about your tooth. You need an oral surgeon. And I don't do that. So, and he says, by the way, uh, I don't think you'll be able to get anyone to Monday. It's Friday. Okay? Monday. And back then, you know, they didn't have, you know, all these great pain-killing drugs like oxycodone. I think I would have took a lot of it. I'd have become an addict. I mean, I was in pain. I would have been, been an addict if I'd have had time. No, they had aspirin. What is that? Aspirin. My head's throbbing. I don't need aspirin. I need something stronger, oxycodone. I, I want it. You know, that's what I was thinking at the time. I want that oxycodone. So anyway... I leave and I go back to my apartment and, you know, I start thinking, you know, you know, the word of God says that God is my healer. So I'm going to release my faith. I'm going to ask God to heal me. So I, I get back and I get, kneel and I begin to pray. And I said, God, oh, your word says that you are a healer. Will you please heal me and take away all this pain? Will you heal this tooth, Lord God? I need your help. As I prayed, two unexpected things happened. First one was God started to talk to me. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've never heard God talk to you before, it will freak you out. <laughs> so God began to talk to me. This is probably the first time that God talked to me. And I could hear a voice inside of me saying, Clayton. Do you remember that girl who was going to Washington, D.C.? Now, let me tell you, when I was in college and I was praying and a girl came to my mind, it was not God. It was something else. It was not God. It was something else. So anyway, I, the first thing I said is, get behind me, devil, leave me alone. Go away, I'm praying for healing here. So, so anyway, um, so I prayed again, God, please heal me and take away this pain. And then God spoke to me again and sighed. I could hear something said, Clayton, do you remember that girl? So this time I said, okay, maybe, uh, maybe this is God trying to talk to me. I said, um, yeah, God, I remember that girl. I'm here for healing. I think we've got our wires crossed, something. Not here about the girls this time. <laughs> so here for healing. So um, God continued to, to speak to me. He said, uh, Clayton, uh, I want you to go to Washington, D.C. and encourage this girl. She's having a really rough time with her walk right now. What I didn't know is 
uh, that this girl had left college after we had talked and she went home for a couple of weeks before going on a co-op assignment. And while she was home with her family, uh, she told them, hey, I received Jesus and I'm saved. She was excited. Her mom said to her, what do you mean you received Jesus, you say? We've been going to the Episcopal Church all your life. You're already saved. You must be in some type of cult. And then she had a cousin that kind of helped too. He said to her, well, let me ask you a question. Am I going to see you on the side of the street selling flowers for that cult? So that wasn't very encouraging. And then she finally left and she went on a co-op assignment and she gets there and she's uh, rooming in an apartment with the same girls that she had been with the year before. And the year before, every day after work, they would go out partying and drinking and doing all kinds of things. And now she's a Christian. What does she do? So she started thinking about it and she started saying, you know, well, I shouldn't be doing those things. They're not right. But you know, peer pressure can be pretty strong. Peer pressure can put you in a situation where you begin to struggle with your walk with God. I don't know if any of you have experienced that, but I remember when I first became a Christian, it was hard not to go to some of the places I had been going before. It was hard to not do some of the things I was doing before. I don't know if you, you've been through that, but that was what she was struggling with. And I didn't notice at the time when God was saying, go see this girl in Washington, D.C., I didn't care about the girl in Washington, D.C., but so God, you know, said to me again, go see this girl in Washington, D.C. Well, I'm in such pain. My head's throbbing. I can even feel it now. I feel like boom, boom. Anyway, my head was throbbing. I was in a lot of pain. And, you know, if God had told me to go to Africa, I'd have went at that moment. That's how bad it was. I was ready to go. So this is what happened. So I said, God, I will do anything if you will heal me. And boom, the pain was gone. Instantly healed. I was in this euphoria. Man, did I even ever have pain? Did I just, you know, take a drug or something? What just happened? I mean, instantly I was healed. And so for the rest of the weekend, you know, I'm healed, you know, but God said something to me. So for the rest of the weekend, I reasoned in my mind that that was just my mind talking to me because it could not have been God because God would know that I don't have any money to go to Washington, D.C. God would know that I can't just get up and leave my co-op job and go to Washington, D.C. They don't give vacation on some internship. You just got here. What do you mean you want to leave? No, God will know that I don't even know where this girl is at in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is a big place. And truthfully, all she said to me is, I'm going to Washington, D.C. She didn't tell me where she was going to be working, where she was going to be living. There was no cell phones. I would, couldn't text her. You know, there wasn't none of that back then. So there was no way for me to find this girl in Washington, D.C. So the rest of the weekend... I didn't even worry about that thought. You know, that's just what it was. It was some foreign thought that was in my mind. 
that I think I had while I was praying to distract me. Well, Monday morning, I show up for work. First, when I first get there, my supervisor calls me into his office. He says to me, Clayton, we've decided to send you for a week of training in Washington, D.C. He, he goes further and he says, here's some forms. Go take them to the controller's office. They're going to give you some money to pay for the hotel and so you can have some money to eat on. He said, you leave immediately. So, well, uh, I think that got my attention there that I need to go to Washington, D.C., whether I want to or not. So I go to Washington, D.C. with some of my co colleagues for this training and we get there and we go to the training all day and then we come home to our, uh, our hotel and we decide, hey, let's go out to eat. There's a food court just down the way there. And so we decided that we're going to go down to uh, this food court and uh, get something to eat. So we start walking and we get to, to an intersection where we need to cross the street. And what do you know? Across the street is this girl. It's her bus stop. And she's at a bus stop because she just got off work. And she's waiting for a bus. She sees me. I see her. And we start to talk. And, you know, God, God's got a plan. He knows exactly where you are. And he knows where you're going to be even before you go there. He has a plan to get his blessings into your life. And for you to fulfill his purpose, if you would just take one little step of faith. So God's got a plan. You think that God doesn't know what you're going through. You think that God doesn't understand what you're going through. And you think that nobody cares. And you think that you're in a place that God can't reach you. Think about this, what all it took for God to get that young lady to that spot at that time and to get me to that spot at that time so that we could meet. I mean, Washington, D.C. is a big place, and I was in New Jersey. And by the way, I wasn't even thinking about this girl. Well, not then. I wasn't thinking about her, but God was. And God's thinking about you. And God has a plan for you to fulfill his purpose. God has a plan for you to walk out in the things that he has for you. And yes, sometimes it can be discouraging. Sometimes people don't understand. Sometimes people say that you're in some type of cult. They don't understand your belief. But if you will just take that step of faith, if you would just believe God, if you would just go a little further and excel and, and maybe trust him in his word, then maybe he can do something. And even though, and I'm, I'm sure for that girl, it looked like God did not care at all. Even though it looks like nothing can happen and you're just going through life. I've gone to work. I'm leaving from work and I'm at my bus stop. 
God doesn't care. Well, God knows where your bus stop is at. He knows what you need and he knows how to get it to you. He's interested in you. He cares about you and he's got a plan for you. So me and that girl greeted and we spent the rest of that week after work together talking about the Lord. I encouraged her in the Lord. I told her, you know, how God is for. I told her, hey, God brought me here just to to encourage you. And maybe God's sending you to someone. Maybe God's speaking to your heart about someone even now that you need to go talk to. Obey God. Do what he said you to do. You should do. And so we spent that week together. We became best friends. Three years later, I married that girl. And we've been married for 35 years. I was only interested in healing for myself. But God saw a bigger picture with my little bit of faith. He said, I can take that little bit of faith that you got, Clayton, and not just give you healing today, but impact your life for a lifetime. 35 years. My life has been great because of that one little step of faith. Faith is simply believing that God will do what he said he will do. Amen. Bow your heads. Close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're that person that was like I was. You need healing in your body. You're suffering physical, emotional pain, and you need God to move in your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for? I see those hands. Yeah, I see those hands. Maybe you're at a place like that girl was where you're struggling with your faith and you need God to move in your life or you, you feel like that girl felt that God doesn't care anymore because of what you're going through. You feel abandoned. Or maybe you feel like I felt you know, that God's got his wires crossed. That you're praying about one thing and it sounds like he's trying to get you to do another thing. If that's you, raise your hand to me. I want to pray for you. Yeah, I see your hands. Father, you see all these hands that have been raised. You know the people online, Lord, that need you today. They need your healing power, Father God. They need you to move in their life. They need you, Father God, to show up in that special place where they didn't know that you could show up. I just pray that you would move in their lives right now, that you would touch them, heal them, make them whole, that you would meet their need, whatever their need is. And then there's one more 
step here, and that is the step of faith. Maybe today is your day to make that step of faith. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you would be saved. We call that making a fresh start. You start anew with God. He gives you a fresh start, a new beginning. If that's you and you are ready to release that faith, you're ready to step out and say, God, I need you in my life. What he's talking about is what I need. I need someone that can heal me. I need someone, Lord God, that understands my situation. I need someone that can deliver me. And I'm ready, Jesus, for you to be that person in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand to me? Would you lift your hand out to me so I can see you and pray with you and see God move in your life? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but at this moment, would you raise your heart to God? As I pray, would you say to God that I want you in my life? Jesus, you saw the hands and the hearts that are raised to you that need you in their life today. And I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would touch their lives, that you would minister to them, Lord God, that they would know that you, Lord, have accepting accepted them into your family. I pray, Lord God, for your deliverance in their life, that you would give them a fresh start so that they could begin anew and walk in your purpose and plan for their lives. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.